book four chapter two of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah grand book four chapter two it was thought at first that the dean's intimacy with the new tenor arose from a sense of duty sharpened by the feeling of self-reproach with which he had regarded his fancied neglect of the old one but however that might have been it was continued from a genuine liking for the man himself no one in morning quest knew the tenor half so well as the dean did no one could have had a truer regard for him or watched the passing of his trouble with more affectionate interest or noted the change for the better which had been wrought by the regular occupation of those peaceful days with greater satisfaction the dean knew the tenor's story so that their relations might be called confidential but for two years no allusion had been made by either of them to the past neither had any plans been formed for the future at the end of that time however the dean noticed signs of awakening energy in his friend the tenor performed his duties less mechanically his apathy was broken by fits of restlessness he had found the mornings long lately he had thought the afternoons objectless and when evening came and the lamps were lighted he wearied of his books and music and chafed a little for something not change exactly but he was conscious of a desire and this he only felt at times a desire for some trifling human interest which should make the life he was leading fuller he had awakened in fact from his long lethargy and found himself alone the dean of morning quest was a remarkable man he had the fine physique the high breeding and the scholarly reputation common to that order of divines who keep up the dignity of the church without doing much for christianity in person he was tall but stooped from the shoulders he had white hair a fine intellectual face fresh and with that young look in it which has been called saint-like and is only seen on the faces of those in whom passion has not died a natural death as the vital powers decay but has been brought into subjection and made to do good work instead of evil no man consorted more habitually with his equals or seldomer entertained the notion that there were such people in the world as his inferiors he practised his religion to the last letter of church law and worshipped christ the son of god but there is no doubt that he would have turned his exclusive back on christ the carpenter's son and had him prosecuted for an impostor had he presented himself with no better pedigree he could tell the story of the saviour's sufferings with infinite pathos because he knew who the saviour was but he could not have told the same story with the same power had the hero of it been merely one common man sacrificing his life for others what affected the dean was the enormous condescension it was the greatness of the man not the greatness of the deed that appealed to him a poor tradesman might sacrifice his life nobly also but then 
what is the life of a tradesman comparatively speaking people called the dean proud and worldly wise but this was not true of him he may have believed that all the people of palestine belonged to county families and were therefore called the chosen people but he never said so a certain gentle humility of demeanour always distinguished him no matter to whom he spoke and he was without doubt a thoroughly good nineteenth-century churchman living at his own level of course and true to his caste toward the weaknesses of which he exercised much charity and forbearance while he expressed his condemnation of its sins by rigorously excluding from his family circle any member of it who had been openly convicted of disgraceful conduct just as he excluded professional men and other common citizens when they held no official position which he was obliged to recognize and were not connected with the landed gentry but these were the characteristics of his position for as a dean he was required to be the slave of precedent as a man however he was known to be just and generous and an excellent good friend to all who had any claim upon him from the bishop who governed him down to the humblest chorister in the cathedral which he governed it was in the early spring when the dean first noticed what he took to be a change for the better in the tenor's attitude toward life at large the dean was susceptible himself to kindly changes in the season so much so indeed that contrary to all precedent he allowed himself to be tempted out after dark one night into the close by the balmy mildness of the weather his mind had been running all day upon the tenor and noticing as he passed his little house that the blind was up and the sitting-room window wide open showing the lamp-lit interior and the object of his thoughts pacing restlessly to and fro he determined to go in and have a chat the tenor received him cordially but his manner was somewhat absent and for a wonder the conversation flagged are you well the dean asked at last you look somewhat fatigued i think and pale yes i am well thank you the tenor answered brushing his hand back over his forehead and hair a gesture which was habitual but i fancy he added smiling that i am beginning to be a little he did not know what ah said the dean looking at him with the grave critical air of an anxious physician and ruminating before he pronounced his diagnosis you have shown most extraordinary perseverance in the course of life you marked out for yourself he finally observed and i trust your resolution is well recompensed by having obtained for you that peace of mind which you sought but there is one thing i should like to be permitted to point out to you i do not venture to advise because in the first place it is always a difficult matter to decide on what would be the best for another man's welfare and in the second the dean always spoke with great deliberation a man who has proved himself so capable of acting with prudence and determination so competent to judge and so firm in carrying out his convictions as you have been might well consider advice from any one presumptuous and therefore i am merely going to observe that lately 
it has seemed to me to be a pity that your life should continue much longer to be a life of inaction i hope and indeed i think that the years you have spent so well in this quiet way have been even more beneficial than you yourself imagine that they have not only reconciled you to life but have given you back the confidence and energy which should belong to your character and abilities and the ambition to succeed in the world which should belong to your age for some time past it has seemed to me that you are more restless than you used to be and i have fancied indeed i may say i have hoped that you are at last beginning to long for change the tenor sat silent and thoughtful for a while no he began at last i do not even yet long for change as you would understand the longing i have begun to feel a want though i scarcely know of what of companionship perhaps of some new interest but i have no inclination for any change that would take me away from here after the storm i passed through this place has been for me a perfect haven of rest and now that my peace of mind has returned to me do you think it would be wise by any voluntary act to alter the present course of my life seeing that it is so well with me as it is when a man is content it does not seem to me that any change can be for the better and trifles apart i really am content god grant it may last the dean responded earnestly only i would warn you to be ready for change in case it comes to you in spite of yourself i would warn you not to feel too secure for i have noticed this that for some mysterious reason which no mortal can fathom it appears to be the will of heaven that when a man is able to say sincerely i am happy when he is most confident believing his happiness to be as firmly placed as earthly happiness can be then is the time for him to be most watchful for then is change most likely to be at hand indeed it has seemed to me that this feeling of security or rather of content with things as they are is in itself an indication of coming change as he finished speaking the cathedral clock above them began to strike the hour slowly the mellow notes followed each other filling the night with sound and dying away in a long reverberation when the twelfth had struck then came silence then the chime voice-like clear and resonant after which all was so still that the tenor looking up through the open window at the moonlit cathedral towering above him gray shadowy and mysterious felt as if the world itself had stopped and all the life in it had been resolved into a moment of intense self-consciousness of illimitable passionate yearning for something not to be expressed the next day was saturday and in the afternoon the tenor had to sing end of book four chapter two